Week 6, Day 3, God's Rule of Love and Justice. I am Susan Okamura, and I am the Senior Adult Ministry Admin. As we have delighted in God's Word and meditated on it throughout the Psalms, we have hopefully been able to see a fresh vision of the Messiah. Yesterday, we rejoiced over the reality that God reigns over all things, no matter what our circumstances may look like. Today, I'd like to carefully walk through Psalms 101 through 103 and discuss what God's rule actually looks like. Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. Love and justice are two of the chief qualities of God's rule. Let's look at love. God is the essence of love. God's love is always righteous. The love of God never operates apart from His holiness, mercy, omnipotence, justice, or other divine attributes. It is loving, therefore, to seek justice and demand holiness, but never to do so at the expense of mercy. God's love is expressed as His mercy in forgiving sinners and rescuing or blessing those who do not deserve it. God's love is unfathomable. We will never be able to fully understand the love of God with our finite minds. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. As a sovereign creator of the universe, God is also just. Therefore, for God to be just means that He is constant, virtuous, innocent, and right. And since his justness is part of his immutable nature, meaning it cannot change, then he is always right and just in whatever he does. Isaiah 30:18, For the Lord is a God of justice. Isaiah 61:8, For I, the Lord, love justice. 101, verse 2, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. I will walk in my house with a blameless heart. God's love and justice create a response in David. David's desire to align his life with God's love and justice comes from the heart, our inmost being. God's word says a lot about the human heart. Jeremiah 17:9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond all cure. Who can understand it? If that's what God's word tells us, then how can David rule with a blameless heart? David knew he couldn't rule and reign according to God's standards. He would need God's help, just as we need God's help to live the Christian life. Where does that help come from? David longed to be in the midst of God's presence. Today, as followers of Jesus, we have God's Word, the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us with guidance and wisdom. We have our church and Bible studies to help us understand and grow in our love for God and our faith. Let's look at two ways David sets out to live this blameless life. 101 verses 3 through 5. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate. They will not cling to me. I will have nothing to do with evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him will I not endure. First, David says, set my eyes brings to mind what I look at, what I watch on TV, what kind of books and magazines do I read. Jesus said in Matthew 5:29, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. 
We can lead a blameless life if we avoid the wrongs listed in this psalm, but we must also let God's word show us the standards by which to live. 101 verses 6 through 8. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. Second, David says he would keep his eyes on the faithful of the land. In other words, he will choose those who are godly and truthful as friends. Our friends and associates can have a profound effect on our lives. With these two encouragements, David calls us to shift our eyes from vile things to those who are faithful to God and His Word. These concepts in Psalm 101 may sound idealistic to you, but we all know that our eyes are drawn to so many things. Easier said than done, right? How does this actually play out in real-life situations? In Psalm 102, there is an appeal to God from an individual looking at a great distress. There is no author given for this psalm, but looking further, verses 12 through 22 and 28, indicate a national involvement in a disaster or calamity. Verses 3 through 11 give us a description of this distress, a suffering so great it affects body and spirit to this individual, a lament as a result of God's wrath. Verse 10, because of your great wrath. Could it be that this suffering is the result of a national disaster, such as the exile? God's judgment on this nation? Verses 12 through 22 seem to suggest that. But hope springs eternal. Verses 12 through 17 give hope and assurance that heaven's eternal king will hear the prayer of the destitute. But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Because God reigns eternal and remains the same, His mercies are extended to those who turn their eyes to Him for deliverance, as the author of the psalm has done. Lamentations 3.22-23 The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Here we see God's great love extended. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James 2.13 What has been the suffering that you have set your eyes on in this psalm series? Are we experiencing so great a suffering as a local community? as a nation, or even globally? What comes to mind as I have read this psalm is what has been so obvious to us all of this last year. We have suffered as individuals, as families, as a nation, and globally. The pandemic has created havoc in our daily lives, and no one has escaped it, it seems. Could this be God's judgment on us, on our nation, and globally? I began to ponder this in my own heart and mind this past year. Have we come so far that God has lifted his favor from us? But I must shift my perspective to look within first. I know in my heart I am a sinner saved by grace, and God loves me unconditionally. 
Yet we are all susceptible to being pulled towards the attractions the world offers. We are a fickle people. I am reminded time and again of Israel's unfaithfulness to God and her idolatry and disobedience and the resulting wrath of God and his ultimate judgment on that nation. Is the judgment alluded to in this psalm enough to open our eyes? I, for one, am convicted. I pray for God to rend my heart, to be totally yielded and devoted to Him and Him alone. Every day I ask the Holy Spirit to keep my thoughts in check. Don't let me wander. In the words of the old hymn, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. The struggle endures to the end, when we will no longer be imprisoned in the sin-cursed body, but we will be a new creation, holy and perfect. Until that time, we can lament what the psalmist. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. In verses 23 and 24, the writer of the psalm felt rejected because his eyes were focused on his great troubles. Our problems and heartaches can overwhelm us and cause us to feel like God has forgotten us. But our Creator God is always with us and will keep His promises. This psalm ends on a positive note, verses 25 through 28. In the beginning you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Because the Lord does not change, our future is secure. In Psalm 102, we learn about God's judgment. In Psalm 103, we come back once again to God's great love. So, we see in Psalm 101 through Psalm 103, God's judgment and love. This Psalm of David is a glorious Psalm of God's love and compassion for his people. Who better than David could write words that we ourselves cannot express? David's praise focused on God's great deeds and gives us plenty to praise God for. Verses three through five lists those benefits, forgiving our sins, healing our diseases, redeeming our lives from death, and crowning us with love and compassion. He, God, satisfies our desires and works righteousness and justice. We receive these freely without deserving any of them. How can we, along with David, not praise such an awesome God? Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The vastness of God's love is shown in His forgiveness of our sins through Jesus our sacrifice, our priestly representative, and our mediator. When He forgives our sins, He separates it from us and remembers it no more, as far as the east is from the west. If we are to follow God, 
we must imitate his forgiveness in forgiving others and remembering it no more. David wrote in verses 13 through 19 that we are all frail humans. We are made of dust. Our life is brief like the grass. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Nevertheless, the Lord's love is with those who obey him. Verse 17, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children. Everything everywhere is to praise the Lord, all his angels, his works, and all creation, remembering all he has done for us, obeying his commands, and doing his will. Does my life praise the Lord? Does your life? Verse 20, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all you heavenly hosts, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. One of the songs that I mentioned is called Come Thou Font. If you have never heard this hymn, it is a classic, and I would encourage you to reflect on it. Where are you prone to wander? Where do you need to experience the forgiveness of sins? Mm-hmm.